Tigers on Cage. Shoots his goal! Jesse and Lance talk Tigers and all things WHL with the voice of the Tigers, Bob Ridley. Tigers players, Tigers alumni, and insiders across the WHL. Here's your host, Jesse and Lance. Episode 11 of Tigers Uncaged, powered by South Country Co-op. How are you? It's Jesse Lance still on vacation. He's going to be back next week. But, man, we have a lot to get into. It was a very busy week in the world of the Medicine Hat Tigers. Of course, as we're recording this, 16-game losing streak. So we'll talk to Scott Roblin, the interim play-by-play guy, about that. Also, we have to talk about the draft. Tigers in a couple drafts this week. Uh, Scott Roblin will let us know uh, who he likes out of the picks, and what the future holds for the Medicine Hat Tigers. Also, it was big news before the Teddy Bear Toss game. Uh, we named a brand new captain. So we'll talk about that. Also, it was a big week for former Tigers making their way to the big show. A lot of former Tigers getting called to the NHL, so we're going to talk about that. And uh, coming up later in the podcast, finally, after 11 episodes, we got Bob Ridley, the voice of the Medicine Hat Tigers for years and years and years He is going to join the show. We're going to get an update on his health and uh, what he thinks of this Medicine Hat Tiger team and what it was like even last year. I haven't got a chance to talk to him. I I wanted to know what it's like going from arena to arena and it being completely empty. What that was like. Because, I mean, in the world and what we do for a living, some people think that we need complete silence. Sometimes that's the worst. It's nice to have that background chatter. So we'll talk to him, and we got a whole bunch more on Tigers Uncaged. Come on. Check it out. Tigers Uncaged is powered by South Country Co-op. Tigers! More roar in a minute. When it comes to washing your ride, the most important thing is... Water pressure. Without it, dirt, bugs, birds, business, and everything else stays on. Thankfully, South Country Co-op Extreme Car Wash has the... Water pressure. State-of-the-art laser touchless car wash from South Country Co-op. Four locations, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Crescent Heights, and Strachan Road. This is your best wash. This Extreme touchless car wash from South Country Co-op. You're at home here. Water pressure. If we asked your car how it felt, it wouldn't respond. It's a car. But if we added some magical pixie dust and then asked, it still wouldn't answer. That only happens in the movies. But if we ask how you felt about having to fill your car, you'd probably say, I wish I got something out of it. Well, co-op members earn money on every liter filled at co-op gas bars. Fill up today on Strachan Road, 13th Avenue, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Redcliffe, Eagle Butte, and Dunmore, and Oyen. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. Tiger. Uncaged. Let's go! Powered by South Country Co-op. Here's your host. And I reveal myself to you all here. Jesse and Lance. Behold! Welcome back to the podcast, Tigers Uncaged. My name is Jesse. Shout out to South Country Co-op for being a part of this. Uh, as always on the show, very honored to have the interim play-by-play guy coming off a very long road trip. I think the longest one the Tigers have had so far. Uh, Mr. Scott Roblin. Good morning, buddy. Good morning. How you doing, Jesse? Hey, I'm doing all right. How was, like, this was the longest road trip the Tigers have had, right? Yeah, it's up there with, um, you know, we've already been to Brandon, Winnipeg. Technically, I think kilometers-wise would be the yeah. longest. Uh, but this was right up there. Um, you know, we uh, traveled up to Regina, stayed there 
there overnight. Uh, the next day, drove out to Brandon for game number one, drove back to Regina that night after the game, and then stayed in Regina for game number two against the Pats on Wednesday, and then drove back here. So, yeah, it was, it was one of the bigger ones, and uh, we got another one coming up this weekend up to Red Deer. So it's, uh, it doesn't stop. The, the kilometers keep coming. Like we started the season playing a lot of swift current, and I was like, okay, whatever. Now it seems like a lot of Brandon. Why can't we just, like, stay in that area? <laughs> Right, well, like, wouldn't it save everyone money if they just stayed in that area and just almost did, like, a series of games, like, back and forth from Brandon, Winnipeg? You have a little bit of that coming up in the second half of the season. There is a road trip where they start off one night in Brandon and then play back-to-back games in Winnipeg on a Saturday-Sunday. Oh, okay. So you are getting a bit of that uh, as the season goes along. But, yeah, to start this year, it's been kind of all over the place. Um, you know, even uh, going back to last weekend, going up to Edmonton and then back here for Teddy Bear Toss Night. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, sometimes you look at that schedule and you just got (laughs) to shake your head, scratch your head about what's going on. Uh, Obviously, as we're recording this right now, Tigers on a 16-game losing streak. Uh, The road trip was not kind for the Tigers. But again, it was one of those games. I mean, you look at the one against Brandon. I don't feel like they played horribly. They just got outplayed. Yep. And that has been the case, especially the last three games for the Tigers. Um, Even going back to uh, the game against Edmonton where they got – blown out 8-2, mm-hmm. to two. Yep. Um, they started that game really well. They were only down one nothing after the first period, and then things fell apart in periods 2 and 3. Since that game, I think they've played fairly well and a lot more consistency that's, that's been shown over the previous games. Look, they had a three-game stretch uh, before the Teddy Bear Toss game where they allowed 22 goals over three games. They were just allowing seven, eight goal performances against opponents and just getting completely dominated. I don't think they've been dominated in their last few games, and they have played well. It's just their opponents have played a little bit better than they have, and the Tigers have still just trying to find that winning formula, Mm -hmm. especially when playing from behind. And I think that's been their biggest issue as of late is they've been behind the eight ball quite a bit. Um, Going back to the game in Brandon on Tuesday night, they led after the first period, which is something they haven't done in a long, long time. I was kind of wishing they were just going to end the game after one yeah, period. after 20 minutes. <laughs> um, so it's been tough for this team to lose that game knowing how close they were. And that was an absolute um, just entertaining game because the Tigers uh, came back from three deficits. They tied up the game three straight times and then take a penalty with less than five minutes left, get scored on the power play in an empty netter. And then the next night in Regina – Again, back and forth game. The Tigers score with less than five minutes to play to pull within one and then uh, allow the empty net goal. And so it's just been almost getting to that point to push you over the the hurdle. And, you know, when when things are going well, it seems like you're getting all the bounces and you're getting some calls and, you know, everything is rolling in the right direction. The Tigers twice this weekend had pucks go off their own defenders and into the net. It's just bounces like that that seems to be when it rains, it pours for this team. And um, unfortunately for them, they are on the 16-game winless streak. And um, it is, you know, for sure the longest losing streak they've had in a quarter century. Um, A good chance it's been the longest in franchise history. Still trying to nail that down. But um, it's been tough sledding for this team and, uh, you know, this team desperately needs a win before the Christmas break, I think. Yeah, and, and on that road trip, I'm, I'm curious, how did the power play look? Because uh, in, in the Teddy Bear Toss game, I thought the power play, the movement of the puck, is very, very good. It's just, It seems like they're just having a hard time shooting it on the power play. Well, and I think it's a lot of the puck movement is good, but a lot of the Tigers are kind of stationary, I'm finding, on the power play. They're not really... You see other teams, and they'll walk the blue line and change positions 
and you know swap out guys behind the nets and that will allow guys to move to opposite sides of the ice and try and confuse the opponent the Tigers really haven't been doing much of that it's been more so this is where you're set up and they're moving the puck around but it's mostly being kept to the perimeter and they haven't been able to find a shooting lane Uh, I even look back to Wednesday night when the Tigers were on a late power play um, and trying to tie up the game and there was just a lot of back-and-forth puck movement from the point in the half boards, and there really wasn't a whole lot besides that. Now, that being said, uh, a big game for Noah Danielson. He scored on the power play, and it's not like they aren't getting the goals, but um, I just look at what other teams are doing in terms of uh, you know creativity, and uh, the Tigers have shown flashes of that, and they do have the potential. It's just kind of more leaning into that and trying to move feet a little bit more with the puck while on the man advantage. Yeah, it's just... it's. It seems like it's there, it's just not there, but we've seen games where the power play's been unstoppable, and then we've seen games where it's just not working. Well, and that's the consistency aspect for this team, because you have games where the power play is outstanding for the Tigers. Uh, you you even look back uh, to this weekend going two for four. Uh, I believe it was against Regina they went two for four. And then in the same game sometimes they'll allow two power play yeah. uh, or goals on the penalty kill. And so it's just that overall consistency on special teams that this team is still looking to to nail down. And, and obviously it's not an excuse, but it hasn't helped with the injury situation they've had of late And that they had a game where, um, you know, Lucas Vakovsky and Corson Hoplo and Oren Strom are out. Well, there's three of your forwards on your two units. So you're getting uh, guys like Andrew Basho, who doesn't even have 10 games of experience in this league. And look, Andrew Basho's played extremely that well. That dude looked very comfortable. Yes. But... That's usually not the situation you throw a guy who's had that little experience into already playing power play against yeah. the Winnipeg Ice. Yeah, like, definitely. It's a tough situation, and it is trial by fire, and quite honestly, I think Andrew's played quite well. But uh, it, it, it goes back to when it rains at fours. The Tigers haven't been dealt the best hand when it comes to their injury situation. It is getting better. They got Oren Strom back for this weekend road trip, which was very much needed for this team. Um, and it is giving younger guys opportunities, which is the silver lining in, in what's been happening. But uh, just that overall consistency, it's its the biggest thing, and we've been talking about it since the beginning of the season with this team. And, um, you know, it is it is a tough spot for them to be in right now, especially when you look at the standings. And, you know, it is early to be talking about playoffs, but this team is 10 points out of a playoff spot here um, approaching the midway mark of the season. So it, it's going to be a grind, and they're going to have to make a push second half for sure. Yeah, and I, I, I don't want to be that person that's going to, like, sugarcoat it or anything like that, but, I mean, it is a very, very busy January. Yes. And if we can lose 16 in a row, we can win 16 in a row, and we could if we have a good month of January – there is potential that we could be back. It is the WHL. You just you never know. But uh, you you mentioned Basha, and uh, I thought his first game he's been looked very good. And yes, I, yes. I also think Van Mulligan when he was called up he looked very good. These kids that are coming out of that uh, Southern Alberta camp, man, they're looking good. They're looking solid. And you know I remember game number one when when. Uh, Andrew played. It was against the Regina Pats, and you look, Connor Bedard, you're facing off <laughs> yeah. in your first game. And, you know, Lance and I uh, were talking before game, and we saw the lineups were like, oh, Bash is starting tonight. Top line with Danielson and Svekovsky. That's pretty remarkable, and, you know, good for him getting an opportunity there. But he's not going to stick there all game. It's his first game in the WHL, and he was the best player on the ice yep. for the Tigers yep. that night. And he is locked down that top line position as a midseason call-up. It's a pretty remarkable story for Andrew Basha. And um, he 
you know, has two assists to his credit at this point. Should still, be three. Should be three. Is <laughs> <laughs> still looking for his first goal, um, but he has been extremely effective. And if you're looking for hope for the Tigers, that's a player that yeah. you can look at and say this is going to be a player for us for a number of years. Now, also, when we, we talk about the future of the Tigers, I, I mean, we're going to talk to Ridley about it here coming up, uh, what he thinks of the future. This is still a, a young team, and I think the future is bright with this team. Uh, recently, the draft happened this week. Uh, any guys that really stood out for you? Yeah, I, I really like the Tigers draft this year. I think they got some dynamic players who are going to be difference makers down the road for Medicine Hat. This is going to be a weird year for the draft because um, usually when a player gets drafted, they aren't able to sign their standard player agreements until like the next year right? Um, because they're 14. Well, because this draft has been delayed until December and most of these players are 15 years old and we're in the middle of the season when it doesn't usually happen. Um None of these players can be full-timers with their WHL teams, but if the Medicine Hat Tigers wanted to sign Thomas Mercik to a standard player agreement today, he could play this weekend. It's it's a weird really? yeah, it's a I wondered that because it was it never really happens in the middle of the year. No, they they pushed it to December to give these kids a chance to play this fall because they had their entire seasons wiped out last yeah. season. So a chance to get scouted and and like. But because these players are all 15, they are eligible to play as affiliated players immediately if they sign their player agreements. That's wild. So, <laughs> you know, there's a good chance the players the Tigers just drafted yesterday, there's a good opportunity we might see them before the end of the season. Wow. And Thomas Mercik, um is a very, very fascinating player for the Tigers. He's a centerman, five foot ten, quite slight. He's he's a smaller player, uh, especially in terms of just his weight needs to put on more muscle. But playing with uh, the Delta Hockey Academy U-17 team, 27 goals, 58 points in 16 games. Holy, wow. He is a dynamic player, and he's been playing with that Delta Academy who are absolutely loaded top to bottom yeah. and playing on one of the most dynamic teams in the CSSHL. So it's not just him. It is a, a lot of who he's surrounded by, but Thomas Mercik also played at the WHL Cup in Red Deer and had nine points in five games, was a tournament all-star. Okay. I think the Tigers got a player here. Okay, and well, there could be our offense we've been looking for. And he is going to be joined as well by a couple of other good players. There's a forward, Diego Budizoni, um, playing out of Burnaby Winter Club. He looks very promising. And Ethan McCallum, a goaltender chosen in the second round by Medicine Hat, actually part going back to the Max Gerlach trade from a number of years ago. That's oh. one of the picks that uh, was sent by the Saskatoon Blades yeah. to the Tigers. Uh, Ethan McCallum, when you look at his record playing for Notre Dame's U16 team, it's not overly flattering. It's, uh, you know, he has a lot more losses than wins. But over that stretch, he has a 927 save percentage. He is oh. keeping his team in a lot of yeah. games, playing extremely well. And he also played at the WHL Cup and was named the top goaltender in that tournament. Okay. So there is a lot of promise for this team. Uh, one other kind of cool thing uh, was uh, the Tigers in the fifth round drafting a player named Nolan DuPont out of the Ed School program, uh, the son of former NHLer Mickey DuPont. Hey. So some NHL bloodlines and uh, a lot of hope for this team. And also going back to earlier this week, the Tigers uh, taking part in the U.S. Priority Draft. Now, these players are playing south of the border, and basically it's to entice them to come to Canada, uh, to Canada yeah. instead of the NCAA route, uh, choosing netminder Ben Vadis and a defender named Colby Gapter. Vadis is interesting because uh, everybody I've talked to say he's probably the third or fourth ranked American goaltender in his age group. Whether or not he plays for the National Development Program is still up in the air. There is interest, it sounds like. But the Tigers taking a swing, and if they can get Vadis, he's another guy who, you know, 
potentially down the line could play world juniors is a top four netminder in the country for 06 players so yeah. it's it's potential there's no guarantee he's going to play for the tigers down the road but, but it's but nice to have you know in your back pocket yeah, just in sure case is. right yeah Man, that's really interesting. So, I mean, the future's bright with the Tigers. Yeah, it sure is. And they, it was a very promising draft. You know, when you're on a 16-game slide, you look for hope and yeah. joy and encouragement wherever you can. And I think yesterday was a big day for that, for the Tigers drafting their seven players. And uh, I think they got some top-end talent. They Their first five picks were all in the first three rounds. So yeah. that's that's very encouraging for this team and, and loading up on some draft picks. And uh, I think uh, especially with Mercic, that's going to be a, a promising guy down the road. Yeah. Uh, also, some big news to talk about this week. Uh, it was actually right before the teddy bear toss. We found out who our new captain was going to be. And I think a lot of us were kind of wondering where we were going to go with that leadership program because I think we all kind of thought Sillinger's going to be the guy. Sillinger's going to be the captain for years to come, kind of like what Hamlin was. Obviously, stuff happened. He's hanging out in Columbus. So, was this going to be a year of just assistant captains? But then, Saturday, Daniel Baker. Daniel Baker. And for a guy who has been a Tiger for five years and yeah. has really embodied the black and orange over his career, um, you know, excellent choice in terms of just his resume he's put up with the Tigers and the amount of games he's played. And for a guy that I remember talking to him in 2017 in the summer uh, prospects camp at the Family Leisure Center, um, looking at Kind of a scrawny Dan Baker, just trying to cut his teeth in the WHL. He was just a second-round pick uh, the year prior, and he's done nothing but you know be consistent for the Tigers, and especially this year has really gotten his offensive touch back. It kind of dipped last year a little bit, and I've talked with him, and he said he, it was a frustrating development year because you know he put up the assists but couldn't find a goal, and um, this year he's been able to really rediscover that. Had four points uh, over two games against Regina and Brandon, uh, and he seems to really have a lot of confidence with that C on his chest. So um, you know, you can tell the, the the team is pretty fired up now. They have their captain. Now, what are your thoughts on this? Because I saw this little chatter on social media about naming the captain. Not anything bad about Daniel Baker. I believe he he will be a great fit as a captain. But uh, are, are, should more teams name an overage captain, or is it where the likes of you know we're only going to get one year and then we got to start this all over again? Are you seeing more teams do that, or are they trying to find that 18-, 19-year-old to be the captain to lead that team for multiple years instead of having to go back and do it again? I think it depends on the group. Um, when you choose an overage captain, obviously they have so much experience. And I think for this team, they needed to name an overage captain because of how young they are. Um, I think it was a smart move uh, naming an overager for a captain. But you look at some other teams that name a guy who's, who's much younger and maybe is a bit flashier, and the thing you have to remember with those players – even if the Tigers named Cole Sillinger captain this season as an 18-year-old, they still would probably only have him as captain for one year because yeah, he would turn pro. Yeah, there's no shot he'd so, stay for his overage year. So that's the thing. You know, you look at the Brandon Weekings. They recently named Ridley Gregg captain at the start of the year. Um, Ridley Gregg's probably not staying for his 20-year-old year in the uh, WHL. So that's kind of the thing you have to weigh is, you know, if you want to name a multi-year captain – if it's your top players, they might turn pro before they reach that 20-year-old season. So it's it's a tough balancing act for a lot of teams, for sure. Right. And uh, another big thing that happened this week, I don't know if it was just this week in general, but a lot of former Tigers yeah. getting the call up to the big show. Christian's Rubin, which I do believe, I didn't get a chance to watch the, the leave game, but I think he did play, did he not? He did. He played on a pairing with Timothy Liljegren in a win against uh, Cole Sillinger and the Columbus Blue Jackets uh. at uh, Scotiabank Arena. And then uh, on Thursday nights, Mason Shaw. Oh, and man. For those who don't know about Mason Shaw's journey to this point, it is there's got to be a book written about yep. it. Mason Shaw 
as you'll remember if you're a Tigers fan, did not play in his, I believe it was his 19-year-old season here in Medicine Hats because he uh, blew out his ACL at the Traverse City tournament in the summer, did not play a game the rest of the year, and then turned pro the next year. Since then, he has torn his ACL two more times. He has suffered three torn ACLs and last night finally got to make his NHL debut. It's a remarkable story. Even if he didn't make his NHL debut, he still could call himself an NHLer. He was a call-up. It's an unbelievable story. But to actually see him take the ice in San Jose, uh, incredibly inspiring and uh, still has so many supporters and fans here in Southern Alberta. I I mean, there was times where Doxer said he wouldn't play again. Ever again. There's no shot he'd make the NHL. And, I mean, we were even surprised when he took that year off on year 19, Mm -hmm. if it was, uh, that – Minnesota wanted to keep him yeah. because there was a lot of talk. Why don't you send him back to the Tigers, get that conditioning, get that strength up, and then we'll we'll talk. We'll get you back up here. But as soon as he was healthy, Minnesota was like, yeah, we're going to call you up and go to the AHL. Well, and just from the mental aspect, you suffered three torn ACLs, and how many people go, oh, this is probably a sign. Mm-hmm. You know, this is probably not – I'm not – what this isn't cut out for me at this level. I'm not going to be able to stay healthy enough. And Mason Shaw has persevered, and he has battled back and rehabbed three separate times on the torn ACL – and he is now an NHLer. It's an unbelievable story, and uh, just extremely happy to see Mason uh, finally make it to the big leagues. It's just so cool just being around this team for so long. You get, like, I understood the Lupuls and the Bowmeasters because they really stood out, and you knew something was going to happen. But you look at, like, the Russells, the Ennis, uh, Quenville made a little snippet in the NHL. Kyle Burroughs. Burroughs. Like, it's just, it's so cool to see those guys that, you knew on a first name basis and now all of a sudden they're playing in the bigs well and that's the thing you know and you know no disrespect to Cole Sillinger he has worked for everything he has earned and making it as an 18 year old is incredible but not every player has the skill set that Cole Sillinger yeah. does yeah. and Mason Shaw was a star here but you know he's not a first round pick yeah and he's had to grind his way to the NHL um, and so when you see players like him players like Kyle Burroughs really take the difficult path Christians Rubens was not drafted in the NHL, yep. signed an ECHL contract with the Newfoundland Grounders, then an American League contract with the Toronto Marlies, then an NHL deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and has played in the NHL. These are two players this week that have not had an easy path to the National Hockey League, and they've made it anyway and um, you know, should be very proud yeah. of what they've accomplished. I mean, I look at a guy even like Hamlin. Yeah. Ha- Hamlin, I-, I wouldn't be surprised, and I don't know this, but... Knowing where the cap space is for the Oilers, it's a no-brainer that they sign that kid to almost peanuts or or the minimum that you can because he he is a great, he's a phenomenal player. And he's doing very well in Bakersfield. I remember when he he got signed by Bakersfield to that AHL deal and being an Edmonton guy, being yeah. in the Oilers system. Um, he said, this is amazing, but I, I want to make the big club. Yeah, and, and I, I think he will. And the, these are motivated guys who have not had the easiest path. And to get to this point, it's been very, very cool. And especially yeah. with Rubens and Shaw this week, um, you know, uh, talking to the Tigers and being around the team, uh, getting texts from uh, Christians and Mason still with the coaching staff. It's it's a special week for the organization. Yeah, some about Willie. All these guys keep in touch with Willie. It's really <laughs> cool to see. Uh, last one before we let you go. I always appreciate you coming on here. Tigers getting set, take on the Red Deer Rebels. What do we think? Could this be the game? Could this be the team? Where the winless streak ends. It could. I mean, the thing for the Tigers, it's their only game this weekend, the the road game on Saturday night. So this is what you prepare for, is this one game. And you have three games left before the break. It's a home-and-home against Lethbridge next week. But this is where all of your attention lies. And this team is... Quite frankly, not happy right now with the way things have gone. And they are they are extremely motivated to try and end this. 
It's going to be a tough test. Red Deer has been very, very consistent this year and have been one of the top teams in the Central Division. So Steve Cotta-Walchuk's team knows how to play, and uh, the Tigers have to come prepared and, and get that consistency in the game uh, if they want to walk out with two points. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to ho- – I'm hoping that we could just get this off, the monkey off our back, get a win, and I don't care what happens after that, but just end the 16-game win the streak. Uh, it all goes down Saturday night in Red Deer. Uh, you can catch the call right here on Chat 94.5. More Hockey Talk on the way with Tigers Uncaged. Powered by South Country Co-op. For over 60 years, South Country Co-op has been part of our community. Families gathering around the table to talk about their day, share stories, laugh together, and just be there for one another. The meal on the table that brings families together is from South Country Co-op. Fresh local ingredients on amazing deals for you every single week. And their app gets you access to their flyer, locations, hours, and more. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. We've been part of the farming community for generations. Planning, advising, getting our boots dirty, helping farmers thrive and enhance their land. This is core to what we do because we believe that each crop should be grown with precision, grown with care, and grown with purpose. We are a different kind of business. We are building a legacy. We are South Country Co-op. The talk of Tigertown. Great moments are born from great opportunities. Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance, powered by South Country Co-op. Welcome back to the podcast. Huge thank you to South Country Co-op for being a part of this. Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance. And you've heard the promos that we were going to get this guy on the podcast, and it only took 11 episodes. But here we are. Bob Ridley joining the podcast. How are you, Bob? Jesse, uh, good to be on the show. Uh, not too bad, thank you. Uh, things are progressing along very, very well. I'm, I'm glad to hear, because I think the first question, I know a lot of Tiger fans are going to be uh, curious on uh, on how your health's doing. How you doing so far? Well, in, in that regard, uh, I'm doing not too bad. Like, uh, you know, this radiation treatment uh, for cancer, uh, it's just taking a little while to... Get me back in shape again, and then, uh, you know, I have some difficulty with uh, severe foot infection as well. So that's clearing up. So it was kind of a double whammy for me here, and it's been a long process. But uh, I'm on the mend, Jesse, so uh, look out. Good, good. Glad to hear. Can't wait to see you back at co-op place because, you know, we know it's going to happen. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, First off, before we get into the team that was or is this year, I want to kind of pick your brain about last season because you got a chance you you called number 4000 which was great but what was it like calling games in empty arenas because you could probably hear the echo of yourself you could probably hear the echo of the play on the ice as well yeah you didn't dare scream and holler when they scored a goal because uh you could hear yourself uh you know uh, through the microphone and everything else uh there was no atmosphere that was the most difficult part of that and you know, we did something like uh, 23 games uh, with, without any fans in the building, and it was very, very difficult. I was glad to get that 4,000 uh, number off my back, and uh, that was wonderful. But uh, as far as doing the play-by-play is concerned, it was totally different. And plus, in fact, Jesse had to drive to all the games because of the of the COVID thing. They wouldn't let uh, broadcasters on the bus, so you had to do all the driving as well. So. It was difficult. It was different. A learning experience. And, uh, you know, as we go through 
over a half a century of uh, broadcasting, uh, uh, you know, you, you you learn how to adapt and adjust, and that's what I had to do. So, but but I think that the main thing was was there was no atmosphere whatsoever, and uh, there was no fan support, and it, it was not only tough for us broadcasters, but also for the players. So uh, they felt they were kind of doing something for nothing if you if you get my drift. But uh, all in all, we got through it, and. Um, Things are a lot better this year. Yeah, yeah. Everyone that we talk to, like, uh, in my mind, I would feel like it's a practice. Like, it's almost a practice game every time you're on the ice playing another team. But, you know, they really wanted to make it known that, hey, this counts. This is a season. This is what we're doing. But, I I mean, even as a player, it can't be fun because a lot of players that we've seen come through the Tigers organization, they live off the fans. They feed off the fans. Guys like a Russell, guys like a, a Mason Shaw, you knew that they played a lot better when they fed off that crowd. Absolutely. And uh, that's what hockey's all about. That's what sport's all about. Uh, you got to have the fan support to get the best out of these players. And uh, certainly the, the players that uh, were here last year felt the same way. I have to, you know, really pat the coaches on the back for doing the best that they could to get the players up and uh, get them playing their best hockey during that whole thing. So, uh, you know, Willie and Joey and uh, the group, they did an outstanding job uh, getting the players playing some of their best hockey. But uh, I know the players miss the fans. I miss the fans. And uh, I know the, the coaching staff certainly miss the fans as well. Yeah, I I still remember the goosebumps when we got that home opener this year. It was it was about time. Uh, Bob, I also wanted to ask you right before COVID hit, and you know they shut down the rest of that season. We were talking to Hamlin. I truly believed that that was a team they'd won. I think six or seven straight at that time. I believe that was a team that. Not easily, but would have won the WHL. And I think that's a team that may have went to the Memorial Cup. You know, something, Jesse, a lot of people feel the same way, including myself. Uh, They were on a bit of a roll. They're playing some of the best hockey of that uh, particular season. Uh, They were deep. They had some scoring. They had good defense. I was standing goaltending. And, yeah, they, they had a chance to really go deep into the playoffs. And, you know, that's the luck that the Tigers have been having the last uh Four or five years, uh, everything has kind of gone awry on them. And uh, but I, I truly believe that they could have gone very, very deep. And now they're in a rebuilding mode, and uh, it's going to take a year or two before they can get back to that again. But uh, all in all, that was a good team, and I certainly enjoyed doing the call uh, for those games. Yeah, that was a fun team to watch. Just felt like any time they were down in the third, boom, someone goes on the ice and just scores. They would just they easy for them to score. And do you think that because you know it's very rare that you get a team that can be dominant in the WHL for years and years and years. There is a rebuild mode. And do you think because we had such a good team going into that season that now we're reaping? You know, as we're recording this, we're on a 15 game losing streak. Is that you know? kind of what's going to happen when you put so much in a team like what we had? Well, sometimes it happens. Uh, sometimes uh, when you go through a year like this, too, maybe some players aren't gelling, aren't uh, really getting it as to what it takes to play here in the Western Hockey League. Jesse, this is a very, very tough league to play in. And, you know, I've noticed it improve over the last half century. Uh, each and every year, uh, you've got uh, players that step up and, uh, you know, the one step away from uh, playing in the NHL, you might say. So, uh, you know, it's very difficult for a player coming out of midget hockey and junior B or whatever to adjust to play here in the Western Hockey League. Tigers are 
having some of that difficulty right this year as we speak and uh, not making any excuses. Uh, there's nobody that wants to win more than Willie Desjardins, the Tigers general manager, head coach, and also Joey and uh, Josh Mazur. The, they're uh, very competitive type individuals, but uh, uh, they're working on it, and uh, I can see some room with them the second half of the year. Yeah, well, I mean, the good thing is is that I think someone was telling me there's like seven or nine 17-year-olds. So, I mean, the future is bright with this team, and they are going to get another year, couple years to to gel and get that momentum. So, I mean, the, the future looks bright for the Medicine Hat Tigers. Were you, as, uh, were you as sad as I was when you heard the news that Cole Sillinger was not going to come back? Absolutely. In fact, uh, looking forward to it all summer. Hey, Cole's going to be back. He's going to lead the way with this Tiger team. He's going to be a member of the uh, World Juniors, and we'll have lots of excitement watching him play at Christmas time, but uh, Columbus isn't releasing him to the World Juniors, and uh, Columbus wouldn't release him back to the Medicine Hat Tigers, and Cole Sillinger would have made a huge difference. The Tigers have lost a lot of uh, one-goal games, and you bring Cole Sillinger into the mix, and he'd be scoring that big goal for you, and uh, that's what the Tigers missed. They missed his leadership and his uh, you know, overall uh, playing ability. He's a big kid, and he was strong, and he was tough around the net, and uh, boy, you take that out of a lineup, uh, you miss a great deal. Yeah, and you know, it was very disappointing. I, I, I was really surprised because I thought that maybe Columbus would say, you know what, go back to the Tigers for one more year, get that maybe possibly at the C on your chest, work the first power play, see what it's like to lead a team, see what it's like when you're down by one in the last minute, what it's like to be the hero. I really thought that, you know, that 18th year he would, but Columbus must have really enjoyed something, and he's been doing very well in the NHL so far. Well, he has, and uh, he really... Uh, stood out during training camp and everything else. I talked with Derek Dorsett, who's he's uh, last year he was the assistant coach for the Tigers, but uh, this year he's now uh, one of the uh, player development uh, individuals for Columbus. And he said uh, Cole Sillinger came to play, came to make the team, and uh, and uh, they just couldn't send him back. And uh, I can certainly understand that because he may, is one of those uh, individuals that maybe is set to play in the NHL at a young age. So we wish him all the best. And uh, I uh, talk to him periodically, and uh, he's really enjoying himself and has adapted very well to the NHL. That's good. That's good. Yeah, he's doing fantastic. Do you ever feel like a proud Papa Rids? I mean, you get to see a lot of these kids that uh, you got to mentor and hang out with, and then they go to the NHL. I mean, this has been a big week. Christians Rubens debuted for the the Leafs this week. Mason Shaw got called up to the the Minnesota Wild. You look at Lupo Bolmeister. Do you sit back and you get that proud Papa feeling? <laughs> well, now Jesse gets a grandpapa. I mean, <laughs> it'll have to be around this long. Uh, some of these. Uh, uh, kids are having kids that are playing in the NHL right now. So it's interesting because uh, even when I think of, uh, say, a Brian Carlin, uh, I still think of him as a, as a kid, you know, and he's uh, in his 70s right now, almost as old as I am. So, you know, it, it's really weird, but uh, you still associate some of these players as young players. You remember them as kids when they came into the Western Hockey League and uh, the Tigers organization, and, uh, you know, it's marvelous all the friends that uh, met over the years and uh, have enjoyed them playing uh, with the Orange and Black, and, uh, you know, and a lot of them have gone on, and in fact, most of them have gone on and uh, been uh, great players in the NHL or in Europe or 
Indeed, uh, in other aspects, uh, like Brian Carlin, he's an out. He made a lot of money uh, selling real estate and so on. We've had Blair St. Martin, who has gone on. He's one of the top urologists in in Alberta, if you can believe it. And, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. There's been dentists and uh, lawyers and everything else uh, uh, taking advantage of the um, uh, education fund here in the Western Hockey League and have become uh, uh, big-time people in their community. So, uh, Hats off to what the Western Hockey League and the Medicine Hat Tigers are doing here. Yeah. Last one before I let you go, Rids. Uh, appreciate you coming on the podcast. Well, you look at the, the CHL rankings right now and the top, I mean, you got four out of the top five are in the WHL with you, Winnipeg and Edmonton just continuing to make all these trades, which is wild. Then you got, I think, Spokane's in there. Uh, Everett's in there as well. When was the last time you've seen the WHL be so dominant in hockey? Boy, it's been a long, long time, and I've been following the uh, the rankings uh, very closely, but you can't really read a lot into that. I mean, it, it all comes down to the playoffs, of course, uh, and anything can happen in the playoffs. But uh, good to see the Western Hockey League kind of leading the way here in the Canadian Hockey League as far as uh, developing young talent is concerned, and uh, really proud of what uh, you know, Winnipeg's doing, Everett's doing, and uh, also Edmonton's doing here on the uh, Western Hockey League and leading the way. And we'll see what happens in the second half of the season. Got to remember that a lot of these other teams get better as the season wears on. Maybe Winnipeg, Edmonton, this is as good as they're going to get. But uh, I don't think so. I think uh, they're going to be dominant from here on in. Well, it's only a matter of time before Winnipeg was great. I mean, uh, Kootenai for so long was in the bottom of the barrel that they got all these first-round picks and all these young talents. So, really, it was a matter of time before the ICE franchise was uh, in the top spot. Yeah, and uh, James Patrick, very, very patient. He's an outstanding coach. And former Tiger Jars Green is an assistant coach for the Winnipeg, too. So, they're, they're just doing an outstanding job in bringing these uh, young talent, these young players along. So, I wish them all the best. Uh you know, Winnipeg is kind of tough. They don't have their own building yet and so on. And, uh, you know, I just uh, hope that they have a great season from here on in and uh, uh, kind of go real deep into the playoffs. And who knows, maybe to the Memorial Cup. Hey, you never know. I know Winnipeg would love to see that. Rids, I, I told you we were going to talk for five minutes. We talked for ten. That's usually how it happens. I appreciate you, buddy. I missed you down at the uh, co-op place, and I hope to see you soon. All right, uh, Jesse, thank you very much. And uh, the best of the season to you and Lance and uh, the rest of the people uh, at co-op place and uh, also at chat. More Tigers uncaged in seconds. That's how winning is done. Powered by South Country Co-op. When it comes to your choice of beverage, you have your favorites. And when it comes to the place you get your beverages from, Co-op Liquor Stores is the favorite. They carry a huge selection of wine, spirits, local and world beers. Stick to what you love or try something new. Co-op Liquor Stores in Crescent Heights, 13th Avenue, Redcliffe, Dunmore and Strachan Road. All open seven days a week. South Country Co-op, proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. When it comes to washing your ride, the most important thing is... Water pressure. Without it, dirt, bugs, birds, business, and everything else stays on. Thankfully, South Country Co-op Extreme Car Wash has the... Water pressure. State-of-the-art laser touchless car wash from South Country Co-op. Four locations, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Crescent Heights, and Strachan Road. This is your best wash. This Extreme touchless car wash from South Country Co-op. You're at home here. Water pressure. Pressure!
Jesse and Lance are back with more Tigers Uncaged. Fast and fearless, baby. Here we go. Powered by South Country Co-op. Welcome back to Tigers Uncaged, powered by South Country Co-op. Shout out to them for being a part of this. This is such a, a cool thing to do. And, uh, well, not as busy as past weekends for the Medicine Hat Tigers, but they are taking on the Red Deer Rebels. And on paper, I would assume that should be an easy win for the Rebels. I haven't heard a lot about them, but... I mean, they're 7-3 in their last 10 games. They are playing some really good hockey right now. Ben King going to be a guy to watch out for. 26 points. He's got 16 goals already this season. But you never know. It is the WHL. And, you know, the Tigers, they're going to put everything they got into this one game. They only have one. Then they have a week off afterwards. So I'm hoping that we can just get this monkey off our back. We can finally say we won a game in the last 17. The losing streak is over. But we'll find out. Medicine Hat Tigers, Red Deer Rebels, all goes down this Saturday. Shout out to our good friend Scott Roblin for joining the podcast. Shout out to Bob Ridley. Man, it was so cool to catch up with him. Can't wait to have him back in the booth as well. If you want, if you want to listen to that Tiger game, it's Saturday, December 11th, chat945.com. The Tigers and the Rebels. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next time. This has been Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance. Powered by South Country Co-op. Thanks to all of our show contributors. Thank you for your help. Be looking for a new Tigers Uncaged podcast every week during hockey season.